What is going on, everybody? We are Two Dudes with Sports News. Welcome back for episode three. As always, my name is Garrett, and I'm here with my co-host. Jalen Prince here. What it do, what it do. So today we're going to do a bit of a blitz of topics. We're going to try to knock out a, a bunch of different stuff that's been going on. Uh, been trying to solidify a recording schedule and everything, but that's stuff that we're going to handle behind the scenes. Let's jump right into it. Um, top of the show, we just want to say rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. That's terrible, terrible news. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers with his friends and family. Yeah, and you never want to lose a life. doesn't matter how old you are. It's just sad that, like, dude was 24 years old, like, didn't even um, – just got a new contract with the with the Steelers, basically giving a second chance, and it's just very sad that a, a guy guy like that has another chance to make make a living for both him and his family, and it's just heartbroken and sad for it. You just break. and heart heart goes out to his family, the Ohio State community, and just um just just makes you appreciate every every little second of every day that you have with the people that you love. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Well, let's move on to something else. Uh, let's do the little more free agency news. Um, there's no easy way to transition from that. <laughs> um, little free agency news. And uh, let's talk about the Ravens signing Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell just locked down a two-year $12.5 million contract. I don't know how much of that is actually guaranteed. Roughly, I would assume $6 million a year with – Nice little signing bonus along those lines. So, what do you think about that, man? Um, good, good job. I, I think it was the best option. Remember, I remember we were talking about giving our free agency predictions about where Calais Campbell could have ended up, and I think the best, the best option was for him to resign with the with the Ravens at the time because the problem with the Ravens last year was due to injury. Now you get a whole bunch of guys back, and like he will be a very integral part, and for them to improve and bounce back after last season's, you know, type of debacle. And you got him you got him back. You're able to get a few edge rushers within the draft. You're going to have your secondary back. So it's good to get him back. I think that was the best decision. As far as where that, like, places them in their division, I got them either tied for second behind the Cincinnati Bengals. And my one of my big takes before, uh, like, going into next year is – if you're in any division that's not the AFC West, you better win your division or you're not making the playoffs because I got the whole entire AFC West making the playoffs. The whole AFC West? The whole AFC West. Yeah. I got everybody I got everybody in the AFC West making the playoffs. Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. They're all making it. Not necessarily in that order. Hey, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I I'm worried that the AFC West is going to turn into some almost an NFC uh, kind of vibe between the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Commanders, just because it none of them are going to stand out. They're all on equal footing because they're all so immensely talented, and I'm worried that that might affect the overall kind of records of some of these teams. I mean, hey, we'll see. Yeah, but like going back to uh, the Ravens, the biggest question, yes, it was, it was good to be able to get Calais Campbell back, but the biggest question is like it's been for the last few years is Lamar Jackson. How far, like how much has he improved? How much has he gotten better as a passer? Can the Ravens offense find find a way to improve over and be better than the Cincinnati Bengals because I don't think there's no offense in that division that's better than the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Uh, you look at what the Bengals did compared to what the Ravens have done. The Ravens have gotten their guys back healthy, but the Bengals have gotten better offensively and and a lot some defensively. Uh, you're able to def- you're able to fix your offensive line, which would which is the biggest thing that you had to address because either you didn't do anything to fix that offensive line, or we're just gonna have to or we're just gonna have to keep watching Joe Burrow get killed. So that was that was definitely that needed to be fixed. Oh, that without a doubt. Because like let's see, a lot I'm and I'm looking at all the transactions. You signed Layoff Collins to a three year contract. Um re-signed Brandon you re-signed Brandon Allen the security on the cure the security backup court um backup QB position. You signed Alex Cap Capital a four-year deal. You signed Hayden Hurts after I believe they let um CJ Uzama. I think they let him go. Yep, he's nice. in New York right now. Yeah, he's in New York. So like you were able to get him, you were able to get Hayden Hurts, who was still very productive in this league. You got him. Let's see, you re-signed BJ Hill, who was one of the best interior run stoppers in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus. You signed Ted Car uh, Karras to a three-year contract. You resign uh, linebacker Joe um, Bocci to a one-year deal. Uh, your friend, you was able to franchise tag Jesse Bates. You could not let that. Go. And nah. So, and when you look at this entire team, when you look at the Bengals, you got Joe Burrow going into his third year. You got Jamar Chase going into his second year. You got T. Higgins going into on um, like his third year. You still got Tyler Boyd. You still got Joe Mixon. And not to mention the drafts coming up, you're still in a good position to be able to make some things and make some things happen. I look at the Bengals and the year that they were able to have last year. Can I see them carry it over and like win the division this year? Yes, I can. Because there's too much there's too many questions going on with the Cleveland Cleveland Browns. I don't like not to mention we still don't know what the punishment for Deshaun Watson is going to be and I think is and I think whatever suspension he's going to have is going to be too much for um, the Bengals organization to be able to come back from whether they have Baker Mayfield or not. And the Give Steelers, me the Browns. Yeah, the Browns. And for the Steelers, I don't have no hope in them winning that division whatsoever. Doesn't matter how good the defense is, whether your quarterback on like right now, the best quarterback in that division is Joe Burrow, and I'm going and I'm going uh, and I'm going with the Bengals. This might actually be the first year that Tomlin doesn't have a winning season as a head coach, which I'm, I'm not gonna go that far. We'll see. We'll see. It might be. It's certainly looking like it, but I have nothing but respect for Mike Tomlin. I think if anybody could pull it out, it's it's him. Yep. So I think Calais, it, it definitely bodes well for the Ravens to re-sign Calais Campbell. I mean, it, even at 36, the guy is almost Brady-esque in the fact that he hasn't really regressed at all. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this year pans out. Now, you mentioned accuracy from Lamar Jackson, so we're going to jump right into accuracy for quarterbacks and do something a little more interesting. So – for those who don't know, uh, Colin Kaepernick actually threw almost like a pro day style drill run by Harbaugh uh, during Michigan spring game. And I watched some of the tape and honestly, he didn't look bad. I mean, he didn't look bad from being away from football for so long. Um, I counted seven ish drops, maybe six or seven drops and about four missed throws. And I mean, honestly, accuracy wasn't bad. Arm strength was still there. I mean, he, he looked all right. I mean, I don't know if he's, you know, still a franchise cornerstone, but I mean, he he definitely looked all right. I'll give him that. I'm not gonna get into much details. I'm not really gonna overreact on again because it's a pro day. I go back. I go off game tape. I agree. And I remember 
seeing what Colin Kaepernick was before he got blackballed out of the NFL. He wasn't playing that good, didn't have a whole lot of wins, didn't and didn't have a whole lot of wins when he was starting, which was understood, which was understood. Can he play? We don't know. Uh, but I do have a question. If he's able to get a well, I do have a question. Who do you think will get another starting quarterback job out of these three guys, out of these three names? Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or Colin Kaepernick? I think it goes Baker, Cap, and Darnold. Just because, I mean, honestly, at that point, it would go, it doesn't even go youngest to oldest. Baker has, I think, the more success of the three, I want to say, because I might be remembering this incorrectly, but I believe Kaepernick came in about midway through that first season where they had, or they actually ended up going to the Super Bowl. So I think he came about midway through. I could be wrong, but Baker has had, I feel like Baker's had a little more success. Again, I could be misremembering this. I don't pay too much attention to Cleveland. I think the only people who do are Cleveland fans. Uh, don't come after me. <laughs> um, I think Baker would get his first shot. I still don't think Baker gets traded or anything before the draft. I think it's after. Cap would have to go to a team that has a young quarterback. You know, he could be a good mentor or a nice stopgap, you know, for a team that's, you know, quarterback in the wings who's just not ready yet. But Darnold isn't it. I mean, I don't know if he's still seeing ghosts in Carolina, but he was seeing him in New York, and he apparently is still seeing him now. Darnold, I don't see being a starter for much longer. What about you? Um, at this point, it's like whatever happens, happens. That's pretty much that's pretty much what's my mindset right now with with all three of them. Either they get a job or they don't. Because like I, I'm just beyond it. As far as Sam Darnold, he hasn't proved. He said he he said he commented that um that he's a good quarterback, he's proved it. I'm like, you got to say that about you, so I'm going to let that slide. But at the same time, yeah, dog, you ain't that. You ain't that. No. And so, like, I just go ahead, I just go ahead and move, move on from the situation. Uh, whatever happens, happens with them. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's go into a little bit more kind of free agency offseason news. Um, you as a big Bama fan probably were a little shocked by this, but and me as a Jaguars fan, I was for sure. Jaguars waived Dylan Moses as of uh, recording this a couple hours ago. He did have a little bit of injury history. I hope dude lands on his feet. And I mean, I, he didn't play a single snap for the Jags during the regular season. Uh, again, I hope he lands on his feet. Guy was an incredible talent at Alabama when he was healthy. And I really hope he, you know, kind of comes into his own and finds a good home on a new team. What about you? I mean, I support a lot of them, uh, a lot of former Bama uh, athletes that are trying to be in the NFL or that are in the NFL. So I'm always rooting for him. I'm hoping everything works. But, um, you know, I'm hoping there's nothing major that he can't come back from. Even though you got cut by the Jags, I'm hoping there's nothing major. And I just hope he finds a way, like, um, hopefully somebody else signs him and gives him a shot and he's able to work hard and, you know, make up for it. Because I believe he can, but, you know, only time will tell. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's look into, you know, Let's kind of go into the drafts and some new players. Um, Sauce Gardner tweeting out recently that he is the best in the draft. What do you think about that? I mean, what is he supposed to say? You know, like he, right. Like that doesn't surprise me that he would say something like say that about himself. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised on uh, that he said that because you got to have confidence in yourself, especially as a cornerback. Nothing. And so that's really nothing new. 
No, and those skills, like those skill position guys, they need to almost always play with a chip on their shoulder. And guys like that are fun to watch. I remember watching Jalen Ramsey and Steve Smith go at it during uh, one of the Jaguars-Ravens games. I remember like Steve Smith has been one of my favorite receivers to watch throughout his entire career because dude plays like it's him against the world, and your DB kind of needs that mentality too. You need to have that dog mentality. You know, hey, I'm the best in the world, and you cannot prove me otherwise. You can't. I mean, and you, you're right. You have to bet on yourself. I think it's insane where, you know, you have some of the what, – what are you supposed to say? You know, I'm like the fourth best and, you know, I'm like the fourth best DB in the class. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'll be lucky to get drafted on draft night. No, I'm a first-round pick. I'm the best in the class. You have to have that mentality. You have to have that, you know, I am the best. I mean, like we were talking about before the show, like it reminds me a little bit of you know when people kind of get you know upset by this and they don't really you know they look at it as a chip you know there was a a, to go into the nba a little bit there was a bradley beal interview we had with his aau team where he was giving a speech to his players and was kind of telling them like look this isn't easy like there's only so many of these positions around and you're not taking it from me like there's 400 of these roles and in order to get to this league, you got to play me and you got to guard me and none of y'all can guard me. And no one said a thing about him saying that because you have to have that mentality of, Hey, this is my job. I'm not losing my job just because some kid thinks he's good. Like, no, this is my job. I'm one of the best. Come and take it. Yep. Simple as that. Um, so that goes into this question. With all that being said, and of course, South Garden has to have confidence within itself. Mm-hmm. So the real question is this: uh, Who is the best player in this draft as of right now, on paper, off a of game tape? Going on, like, who is the best player going into this draft? On paper, it's Aiden Hutchinson. In my personal opinion, I don't think it's Aiden Hutchinson. In my personal opinion, I think it's between Ikem Mekwonu and honestly Sauce Gardner. I mean, you can't argue with those numbers. He never allowed a single touchdown in his career since he started as a true freshman. And he only ever allowed 131 yards in 14 games in 2021. Like, that's an insane average. If you break down those numbers, that's less than 10 yards a game. That's just stupid. You can't tell me you're not one of the best, if not the best, in the class with numbers like that. What about you? Uh, it's a three-way tie for me at number one. Of course, I'm been, I'm I'm a little bit bad. My bias might be a lot. I gotta go Evan Neal. Mm. Like when you only allow one sack the entirety of the season, and you went up against guys that are within the SEC that are either gonna be future first-round draft picks or like guys or like hey. Like, he went up against Trayvon Walker and didn't allow a whole lot of pressure. Now, as far as everybody else that's on the offensive line outside of Evan Neal, that's a different story. But, like, outside of him, like, you look at the numbers, he held his own. Not to mention, you're that big, you're that size. I stood next to the man at Pro Day. I'm like, it don't make no sense. Like, you're that big that can move like that. We're in the new age of – we're in the new age of big man linemen. We're in this new age. Uh – Speaking of new age, that goes into my second person. As much as people want to say he's a two-down lineman, I gotta put Jordan Davis in that uh, in this equation. He like he's 
He might shock a lot of people. He might, he, I think he can get himself in shape to enough to be a three down type of lineman where he can be not just like for run stopping, but he could be that for the, uh, like for like pass rush as well. That's him. And the third person I would, and the third person I would say that's a dark horse, best player. I gotta, I gotta give some respect to Kayvon Thibodeau, even though his stock has fallen a little bit. When I look, at, I look at his game tape. I see JJ Watt. I see, I, give little, that. I, I see a little bit of JJ Watt. The way he, he's long, he's strong, and he's able to make contact with the offensive line. We see him, and like in this day and age of football, you, you need game records, and he's a legitimate game record. Now, the person that was on the out, like outside looking in. I love Jameson Williams, but I would have thrown Garrett, I would have thrown Garrett Wilson in there as well. But like my three is Neil uh, Davis and uh, and and Thibodeau. And Thibodeau. That's who that's who I got in the top on like top of my mind when I think about the best players and going into this draft. Okay, I'm not. A, I like honestly. I think Thibodeau's a more well-rounded defensive line prospect. I really do. And it's here's my biggest thing for defensive like defensive line prospects. You can't just bull rush in the NFL. And that's something I try to look for when I'm looking at defensive line prospects is do these guys have any kind of pass rush move at all? Or do they just try to outrun them or just outmuscle them? Because you can't do that in this league. You can't do that at this level because these dudes are the best of the best. Like you said, that we're in the age of big offensive linemen. You're not moving these guys, especially in, or in the NFL. These guys are bigger than a lot of the guys you played in college, and they're the best of the best. There's a reason they're at this level. So if I, I need to look at more Jordan Davis tape, but if he's got some pass rush moves, I think he's going to do just fine. And he he's a great player. He's fun to watch too. And I think Thibodeau has a little bit. He's a little more well rounded as a prospect than Hutchinson. Now let's keep it with the draft. Um, you know, there's a rumor that came out from Matt Miller saying the Falcons want a wide receiver at eight. I think this is Drake London. There's more and more. I, I, the more the more I look at Drake London's tape, I mean, I can see why, but I don't fall in love with him like that. Cause all I because when I see him, all I see is just another big body receiver with good hands. I'm like, what's your route running like? Like, can like can you work away to a certain degree? Like that's what I keep. That's what I end up like keep looking at. When I look at receivers like that, because it's like we're in a fast age now, big body receivers still exist within this league. Because if you could be able to throw it up to somebody that can go up and get it, and like there's nothing you could do about it, I don't knock that. But at the same time, I'm like, you got to do more than just like go up and get it, and like go up and get it. If they were to go receiver, I don't think like if they were to go receiver, I don't see nobody getting a receiver before Garrett, um, before Garrett Wilson. I get that. The reason why I think they go Drake London is because it almost makes me want to think of, you remember that uh, when the Steelers were one of the best passing offenses in the NFL at the time, because they had that three headed monster of Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Martavis Bryant. And then they had a, um, who do they have in the slot? I forgot, but I know, I know, I kind of know where you're going. With they that. had someone in the slot. So you have your, your burner, you have your slot guy, and then you have your possession receiver as well. And the burner was, and the burner was the best route runner. Exactly. Actually, the burner was Martavis Bryant. He was just the burner was Martavis Bryant. AB yep. was a route runner, 
Yeah. And then I can't for the life of me. Can't and then you just had this white guy. Yeah. And I mean, it's you need that three-headed monster because you can't all have the same receiver. I think Atlanta already has a route runner. If yep. you know when he comes back from suspension at Calvin Ridley. So um, I, I think they're gonna get more. I think I believe Atlanta's gonna get more than one receiver. Oh, for sure. I just I think they take Drake London because this way they have. He reminds me honestly. He reminds me a lot of Mike Evans. That big body doesn't drop anything. Big, you know, he's six five. I think yep. he's a big dude. He's a big dude. So six, yeah, six five or sorry, six four, two twenty. So I mean, he's a big dude right now. I think he could box out. You need that big jump ball guy, and that's only going to help whoever they draft a quarterback this year too. Yeah. So I like the pick. Um, keeping it with that, they're saying Desmond Ritter is also apparently going to go around the top fifteen, and with this Saints trade that we're going to get into a little bit later, I think he goes to the Saints. I think he goes to the Saints at sixteen. I'm still iffy on Desmond Ritter. The things that I mm-hmm. question with him and I should possibly do a lot more research on is how's his arm strength, how's his accurate, how's his consistency on accuracy, and just like can he hand can he handle the moment? That's like fair. I said, when it comes to quarterbacks, I look at your game tape more than I look at anything else. Right. Because I'm not speaking for myself, I'm speaking as just a quarterback. I believe that I think it's easier to throw to guys that you've been throwing to when you don't have a lot of pressure going your way. And what I'm talking about is pro day. And heck, even the combine like that. I like routes on there with you. So the last thing I remember, Desmond Ritter had a tremendous regular season. What did he do in the playoffs against Alabama? He made a few throws, but nothing really stuck out. Nothing really hot or like jumped off my TV. I mean, yeah, I get it. You was going against Will Anderson, who is going to be next year's future first round draft pick. I completely understand that. But if you don't show up on like consistently like that in a big game at that moment, then that's gonna that's gonna have a lot of pushback in your draft stock. Because it's going to make you question, are you worth being a first-round pick? Now, is it going to be a first-round pick? I believe so because a lot of teams are desperate for a quarterback. But, like, that's what I'm really thinking when I look at Desmond Ritter. Can he make the throws? And I, and I look at his stats last year. The dude, the dude had 3,334 3, yards, 30 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, a QBR of 71.9. And, like, dude is 6'4", 215. So, we got the height. He can move. He got, like, his, like he can move. His legs is like his legs. He won a lot of games. I mean, and I'm not going to discount the level of competition that he had when he was at Cincinnati because he did play against Notre Dame. And like Notre Dame got Kyle Hamilton, who's going to be a top five pick in this year's draft. He went up against him and he basically demolished uh, demolished his team. So Desmond Ritter can he can play. Ritter can play, but I'm on the mindset, I'm like. I'm not gonna get overly hyped about that. Can he? Can he play at that level? Is the only thing I'm gonna um, be concerned about. And like, if I was like, if I'm Ritter, go, I'm hoping that it goes to a much, a really good situation where he can sit out a year, learn, learn the game, and then let's see what he got. That's why I think the Saints make so much sense. And to your point, quarterback is one of the positions where everybody will reach. You want to talk about guys who weren't ready to be first-round quarterbacks, in my opinion. There's two Florida State quarterbacks, which I love being able to see as a Gator fan. 
you cannot tell me Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel were first round ready quarterbacks. You can't. I mean, EJ Manuel, that was just a mistake. EJ Manuel, so was Christian Ponder. I mean, they were both. I'm not saying they were bad quarterbacks. They weren't first round picks. These are guys that needed to sit for a year or two, like you said, to get ready for the NFL. Now, Ritter can do that because if I remember correctly, the Saints just re signed Jameis. So Jameis can steer the ship for a year, let Ritter learn the offense, maybe get the last game or two in under his belt if you know the games don't matter, and then just really kind of learn the offense and learn at his own pace. You don't want to rush some of these guys in. So I think that Ritter will go to the Saints, and I think he will be able to succeed if he, like you said, if he goes to the right fit. And I think the Saints are that because they would allow him to kind of come into his own at his own speed. So, I mean, hey, we'll see how that goes. Now, speaking of picks, before we get into the Philly Saints trade, um, unfortunately, my Jags are not getting any calls for the number one overall pick, which makes me think we're going to take Iquonu, especially if Cam does not sign his franchise tender, which he still has not. So if he doesn't sign his franchise tender, there's no way we don't take a offensive lineman to help Trevor. And then we wait until the second round to address defensive line because this draft is so deep at DN and you, I don't know, you, you just can't pass up on a guy like that. That's my opinion. What about you? I'm not taking office. I'm not taking no office lineman above Evan Neal. I'm just not. And, That's I, fair. and, and I get a Quanu um, is really talented and he's good. I'm just not taking nobody. I'm not taking them over Evan Neal. And I bet he, you if Evan Neal would have ran the 40, Everybody be talking about him and when he be no debate. It's only because he just didn't run the 40. He got the Mackay Becton speed. He can move. <laughs> I know he can move. But, I the biggest, but, the, but the biggest thing about it, like he's so versatile, he'll play anything. And, and the same, and the same thing goes with um same thing goes with Aquanu. Like when they get in that league, like you you just know they're gonna have to play everything. I agree. I think Aquanu can do it. PFF has Aquanu with a 91.6. Um, which is the ninth best offensive line in college or offensive lineman in college football. Um, and then Evan Neal is right beneath him at an 85.8. So they actually have him rated higher. So, I mean, hey, again, we'll see. I think the SEC plays at a bit higher level of competition than the ACC, just a bit. Um, but like, that's no knock against Evan Neal. Evan Neal's a stud. I'd love to have either of these guys. I just think Aquonu right now is the more the better fit for the Jaguars just because we like to run the ball. and he was one of the best run blockers in the NCAA last year. But let's get into the Philly and Saints trade before we you know, go back and forth about who's a better offensive lineman and bore everyone to death. It took me a good three-ish minutes to kind of understand what exactly had happened with this trade because it was it's a lot. So to break it down, um, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints made a trade. The Saints received the number 16 overall pick, the number 19 overall pick, and then a six-round pick from the Eagles, where the Eagles now have the number 18 overall pick and a third-round pick in this year's draft, as well as a seventh-round pick, which means nothing, and then a 2023 first-rounder and a 2024 second-round pick. So now the Saints are the owners of the Eagles' two first-round picks in this year's draft, which makes me think they're going quarterback, and like we talked about earlier offensive line to kind of help them out a little bit, you know, give Kamara a little bit of help um, and then eventually build for the future with Desmond Ritter. What about you? Again, it wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't have any idea as far as what the Saints might be getting. 
I mean, can I see them getting quarterback? Yeah, but I also see them getting office alignment as well because they, again, they lost to Rod Armstead, and you got to be able to reload on that. So I, 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 I can see a lot of things on that one. So hopefully it works out. As far as the Eagles go, I think they just like they trade back to get more picks and like get um and go ahead and get a receiver. I, I really see that's what they're gonna do. I think they got receiver D line. I know in our mock draft for the first two episodes, I had them going uh, Devin Lloyd and then taking a receiver uh, later with the pick. However, since they now have what is it? A they have another third round pick and a second round pick. There's some deep receivers. This is a deep receiver class. I think this or this class is deep as a defensive line, wide receiver, and running back. So I think they could wait until the second or third round to get a wide receiver that's still solid. Um, a couple of those guys, I think, are just some real sleepers at that position. There's a dude out of Sky Moore is another good one. Uh, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, I think, is going to really sneak up on a lot of people. He's a huge, big play threat. Not too big. He's got good speed, good hands, decent size. I think this is going to – you could take him – Later in the draft, I think the only knock against him is, again, kind of his size as a wide receiver. He is a smaller dude. So then you potentially have two smaller receivers in Devontae Smith and Jalen Tolbert. Um, but that could also mean next to nothing. That could mean the exact same thing as uh, hand size and a quarterback, um, which means so much. So, so, so much. Uh, but, again, there's plenty of wide receivers who are good you know, receivers in this class that you don't have to get in the first round. So I think you may be right. I think they do take a wide receiver at some point in this class. I just don't think it has to be immediately. Yeah, I get that. I'm with it. All right. Well, let's step away from football, which might be the first time we've done this. First of all, we want to say congratulations to South Carolina women's basketball for your national championship. Um, incredible run. And we also want to say congratulations to Kansas uh, men's basketball for your national championship and one hell of a comeback. So congrats to both of y'all. I'm really excited to see what your programs look like in the future, and hey, hope you can repeat. We also want to give a shout-out to Trey Young for being the first player since 72 and 73 to lead the league in overall points and assists, and I think he's the first player ever to do that in both college and the NBA, if I read that Bleach Report article right. Yeah, um, yeah, you you read it right. I mean, Trey Young's a dog, man. I think he is one of the more underrated guys in this league. I mean, he. it also might be because Atlanta's not one of the best teams yeah, they got a ninth seed, so he's not going to get a whole lot of talk. And I remember I was watching um, First Take this morning. There was a topic saying, like, is Trey Young the most disrespected um, superstar in the league? Yeah, I, I, and I agree. Yes, I'm a Hawks fan. You don't hear a lot of big-time media talking about him unless he puts a big point. So it's a big rarity. I mean, you hear more of them talk about, like, Luka Doncic. You hear them talk about Devin Booker. You hear them talk about – just uh, anybody but Trey. Heck, I even go on YouTube and you ain't, you're not going to find a whole lot of stuff about Trey Young. Um, Stephen A. tried to make a defense for it. Like, yeah. the only time you're going to like the only time you're going to hear about Trey Young is from Knicks fans. That's the only time you're ever going to hear about Trey Young. <laughs> That's the only time. But outside of that, Trey Young, um, depending on what he does in this playoffs, is going to make um, like make a break. Going to throw undeniably. He is a superstar within this league. To me, he already is because of what he did like going into last year's playoff. He, he shows up for big moments. He shows he's up. He's Luka. not he, – without a doubt. Just, you, can make a, <laughs> you can make a case he's better than Jock. And that's my favorite because Luka was part of that trade. You remember that? Luka was supposed to go to Atlanta and Trey yeah. was supposed to go to Denver. Well, I, not Denver here, here, here's, here's what I go with that one. I felt like both teams won. They did. Now, the thing that went into the Luka Doncic and Trey was is – 
Atlanta got Trey and another first round draft pick. I think that first round draft pick either went for DeAndre Hunter or it went for Cam Reddish. Either like either one. So I say Atlanta won. And we'll talk about the Mavericks going a little bit later and a little bit of Hawks. But like overall, Trey Young, he's handling his business. He's he putting in work. And you know, he's getting he's getting what he's worked hard for. And he's that's getting his. He's getting I respect his. it. And I love Trey. He's going to make more noise going into the playoffs. Um, they take care of business uh, Wednesday night against the uh, the shot uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Take care of business that they're not have to play the loser of the game of the game two between Cavs and Nets. You win that one, in, you win that one, and now you get a chance, you know, a chance to be, like face the Miami Heat as they see. So you know, anything can happen. I, I see, I do see the Hawks winning winning two playoff playing with uh, playing game. With the heat banged up with Bam Adebayo, mm-hmm. I I can see I can see. Don't be surprised if the Hawks, the Hawks pull up an upset. We'll get in the NBA playoffs in a minute. Before we get too far into it, uh, we'll get back to basketball in a second. I want to take a quick little sidetrack to shout out um, MLB. Welcome back to the world of pro sports. Glad the lockout's over. Really excited to see how baseball does. Hope my Red Sox do all right. And it is 2022, and the Atlanta Braves are still World Series champions. Yep, so, I'm glad baseball is back. Yep, exactly. We'll see how that goes. Now, before we get back into the NBA playoffs, uh, this Frank Vogel uh, nightmare. Um, we don't have time to get into Russ and his we'll comments make, we'll on make, Vogel. We'll make it quick. I didn't, we'll make it quick. I, I, think, I didn't see the, uh, the comments from Russ. All I all I would say is, look, we understand the situation. Vogel was the one wasn't the guy that picked the team. Um, he wasn't the one that put it all together. To me, I think the Lakers organization is just a mess right now as far as in front office vocal. It just had to be the all one out. He had to be the scapegoat for it. But he's really not the scapegoat because everybody no. knew what was the problem. It's just like them people were not going to get fired for it because, again, most of the people are the ones that own the, the franchise. So they got to be able to live with the situation. They got to be able to live with the situation. So that's on that. Frank Volker, I do believe he's going to get another job. I just hope oh, yeah. he doesn't get a, uh, another job before Mark Jackson. But I'll be, but I'll, I, but I'm most likely I'll be disappointed. He's still he, overall, he's still an NBA champion. He is still a really good coach doing, unlike doing what he does. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be fine. I agree, and I mean, hey, as a Jaguars fan, a dumpster fire recognizes a dumpster fire, and that Lakers organization is certainly that. So, especially because it leaked a day or two before he was actually told that he was being fired. I mean, that's that's just insane. But anyways, let's get the NBA playoffs. We could be here talking. As a Celtics fan, I could talk all day about how much I hate the Lakers, but we don't have time for that. So, NBA playoffs. Let's start with the play-ins before we get too far into it. Yeah, I got um, that. Yeah, I got that one. Give me a sec. I already got it pulled. I already got it pulled up. So, the way the playoffs – the way the playoff format is, is it's going to be the on the Western Conference side, you got nine and 10. The Pelicans is nine. Spurs is 10. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Seventh seed, if the whoever wins the seventh and eighth seed automatically goes in, they got to play the number seed. two. They'll go in at the seventh seed and they'll play the number and two. And then seed. whoever beats the whoever wins the number nine, number 10 game plays the loser of the seven, eight seed. And then that whoever wins that, that game, play, that is plays, yeah. So, basically, okay. so right now, the seventh and the eighth seed. For the West is the Minnesota was the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a shocking which shock which shocks me, and the LA Clippers. So uh, that's that, and the nine to ten seed is the Pelicans and the Spurs. And the winner of the Timberwolves and Clippers will face the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. 
and the winner of and you know the loser of that game will have to face the winner of the Pelicans and Spurs, and the winner of that matchup would see the number one overall seed, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Sun. All right, well let's get That's into it. And let's get into it real quick. All right, I got Go I got the Clippers beat um I got the Clippers beating the Wolves and they'll mm-hmm. face and they'll face the Grizzlies, and then I got the Timberwolves beating whoever. So either way, I got the Timberwolves and the Clippers making the playoffs. So that's that for the West. I don't have the Clips doing it. I got I got the Clips exiting. I don't. I just don't trust the Clippers. I, I Tim, do. I think Timberwolves beat them for sure. And I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of NBA this year, so I'm going into it a little blind. Um, I think the Timberwolves beat LA for sure. I think that the Spurs are going to surprise the Pelicans because, correct me if I'm wrong, but Zion's still out, right? Yeah. Zion's still out. Look, I'm even more surprised that the Pelicans even made it. I'm with you. I think the Spurs are uh, – So, if you talk about the team that you don't trust, I don't trust the Pelicans. I never trust Pelicans. I, you cannot doubt Pop. If you want to talk about a coach I've got nothing but respect for, I, I I'm glad you, love I'm glad you, Pop. I'm glad you said that, but remember, this first team, it ain't – no Tony Parker, no Tim Duncan, I, no Mono. There's no, no big three. But here's the thing: since you since you said like you can't doubt Pop, you can't doubt Tyron Luke. You're right. You're right. Dejounte Murray though is a monster. Well, I mean that dude, that Joker can ball. I get that, but I look at the Spurs. Paul George, Paul George is back. But if you look at what the team and the only Clippers have done throughout this entirety of the season and the wins that they've been able to chop mm-hmm. up, like you look at a job of a Tyron Luke. Uh, I look to me, Monty Williams is going to win Coach of the Year. Yep. But Tyron Lewis is making a, making a case for it. So that's fair. That's what, that, that's why I stand on that. Let's get to the East real quick, and then we'll do a quick breakdown of each one. All right. So um, my Atlanta Hawks is the ninth seed. They, they yep. will face this tenth seed on Wednesday against the Charlotte Hornets. They will like the Hawks will host that one. And Hawks they will Hornets. play, and they will play the loser of the seven eight seed matchup with the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That would be tomorrow at seven o'clock Eastern. Um, I got them, and so the winner of the seven eight matchup will face the number two seed Milwaukee Bucks, and the, and the loser of that game will face the winner of the ninth and tenth seed, and the winner of that game will face the number one seed Miami Heat. And I, I got the Hawks beat Charlotte. They will face the loser of the Nets and Cavs matchup. And I got and it's gonna to me. I see it's gonna be the Hawks and the Cavs. And I got the Hawks winning. I got the Hawks making the playoffs. And I got the uh, Nets making the playoffs. I'm with you 100, 100 on this. I I don't trust Charlotte. I love MJ. I don't trust Charlotte. It has just come out that Jared Allen is gonna be out for this game most likely. So I think that Cavs are, yeah, Cavs aren't making it. Yeah, if Jared Allen is not in the game, I can see Clint Capella having a really, a really good time with that. Not to mention this still no, this still no timetable when John Collins is going to be back. Exactly. But I don't see nobody stopping on Trey Young in that big, no. in that big of a moment. It doesn't matter whether he's at home or on the road. It's ice tray. It's playoff tray. Now I don't want to disrespect Charlotte. I really no. don't. But you're talking about a play, you're talking about a playoff atmosphere, and Atlanta finally got somebody that they can get behind. Not to mention, Atlanta had, look, the Hawks fans, they show up now in in State Farm, and you're talking about a heck of an atmosphere. That's going to be good. It's going to be good, but not to mention, like, 
Hawks got Hawks got more shooters than the Charlotte, than the Charlotte Hornets, and I'm going and I'm going Atlanta. Oh, for sure, so Atlanta. I see Atlanta face, so I see Atlanta facing the Heat, and I got Brooklyn. Brooklyn going to be facing the Bucks. That's going to be one heck of a matchup. So if our predictions are correct in the West, you will have in the West you would have. Well, you said you say the Timberwolves are going to face the Grizzlies. I say the Clippers are going to face the Grizzlies. Um, and my prediction for the West is going to be Phoenix will see the Wolves, the Mavericks will see the Jazz, the Warriors will see the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies will see the Clippers. On the East, the Heat will see the see my Atlanta Hawks, the Sixers will see the Raptors, Celtics, your Celtics will see the uh, Chicago Bulls, and the Milwaukee Bucks will see the Brooklyn Nets. We got a little bit of time left, so let's go ahead and I mean if we got time we can break down the playoffs real quick without going into uh, too much detail. We got a little we got a little bit. Uh we'll do we'll do that next time. There's there's a ranking that I really want to get to that like that might have your interest as well. Okay, go for it. What you got? All right, so there was a ranking that came out about a few days ago called uh, it's uh ranking all the SEC quarterback Kyle rankings uh by Jesse Simmonton from on I think that's one three. Some type of uh, sport, um, sports organization or something, okay. and the top seven rankings at number one obviously is Heisman quarterback. Is Heisman is Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young out of Alabama. That's that leads them all. So that's no that's you get no debate for me on numerous reasons. Uh, at number two, KJ Jefferson out of Arkansas. Number three, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I didn't watch a lot of Tennessee because it's Tennessee, so I'm a little bit surprised mm-hmm. on that one. But I'm, I'm like, okay. Uh, at number four, Stetson Bennett out of Georgia just recently won a national championship. Respect to him. At number mm-hmm. five, Will Rogers from Mississippi State. I could give him a little bit of credit. He, he I give you that. A little bit. Uh, at number six, Spencer Rattler transfer out of Oklahoma. I understand, but like mm-hmm. the jury's still out on how well he's going to play at this level in the SEC. At number seven. Will Levis from Kentucky. Okay. Yep. At number eight, Jack. At number eight, Jackson Dart, out of Ole Miss, the guy that's gonna replace Matt Corral. At number nine, it's a three-way tie between, uh, like for Texas A and M, between Matt, uh, Max, ja- uh, Max Johnson, Haynes King, and Connor Wigman. At A and M, at number ten, it's a two-way tie between Miles Brennan and. Um, Arizona State transfer Jay Daniels. At number 11 is your guy Anthony Richardson. At number 12 is whoever's going to be the Auburn quarterback. I don't even care about saying the names. Uh, at number 13 is whoever's going to be at Missouri. And last is whoever's going to be at Vandy with their new with their new shape logo. Hey, look, at least my ja- or, uh, at least my Gators ain't last. I think Richardson's still going to win the starting job. I think he deserves to be a little higher on those, but I understand why he's not. Levis, I get. Jefferson, I don't understand. So I kind of do. I do when I don't. So I, I get, I get the, um, I get Bryce Young for sure. I get, um, Hendon Hooker because Hooker had a, he had some good games. Hooker was, he, he really did do well. I watched a decent amount of Tennessee football. He, he did very well. I'll, I'll give him his props. Jefferson was a big feaster famine type guy. So was Will Levis. So I'm not. The reason why I see. KJ Jefferson, I gotta look at what he did. Well, mainly what Traylon Burks did, but I gotta give Jefferson credit. The dude did have a terrific year. He beat AM in Arlington. Um, yeah, he got killed by Georgia. That's not a big surprise there. But um, he won a lot of big games this year. I gotta give him his I gotta give him his respect. 
Um, Hennis sure. Hooker. I didn't watch a lot of Tennessee, so I'll go ahead and defer on that one. Stetson Hooker, Bennett, he did I, good. I think Stetson Bennett's right where he needs to be because, like, you know, even though he – like, and I even advocated for him that he needed to get his respect – like he needed to get his flowers from the Georgia from the Georgia faithful because he actually did something that a lot of Georgia quarterbacks could not do. Forty years. Forty years, and like he did, and he did it. He made the throws. He bounced back. He dealt with all the mental the mental issues, all the like all the like mental abuse. We understood that the dude like stuck up for it. He dealt with it. So I gotta give it up to him. The dude did his thing. Now talent wise, still escaping because he can't be had. Uh, but will I take him over Will Rogers? Yes. Talent-wise, I wouldn't take Stetson Bennett over Spencer Rattler. Uh, but there's too many questions going on with Spencer Rattler in that whole South Carolina, the whole South Carolina program. So there, I can understand why maybe Spencer Rattler should be higher or lower. I'm fine with that. Uh, will Rogers, um, I I give him credit. He had a good, he had a pretty good season. So we'll see. Uh, will Levis. We'll see about that one as well. Everything outside of that top seven is basically going to be a bunch of people that's trying to prove themselves. They're going to be first-year starters or people that's trying to win a quarterback battles. So, me being a Salt Gator fan, I do have to take at least one pot shot at Georgia. I do, a, you know, again, congrats. Totally not salty about this at all because we sure as heck didn't deserve to win anything. I just would like to remind people that the last time Georgia won a national championship was actually before the invention of the disposable camera in 1986. <laughs> so just just want to put that out there. It, it, again, not not petty or salty at all, but uh, <laughs> it's salty and petty. Little bit, little bit. But I mean, hey, look again. Props to it. I love Stetson Bennett. I mean, kid's a baller. I got nothing against him at all. I think he might be a little high on that list. I think it also might have been, you know. I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to take anything away from him because he really did do well in that game. He played he very, very well. He did. But he had some help. You can't tell me having a defense like that doesn't help. Who hasn't ever had help? Exactly. And that's what, so that's what I'm saying. It's not going to football. That's what I'm saying. It's not a knock against him. Football's a I'm team not, sport. I'm not going to knock him. The dude made yeah. the throws. He stepped up. He like he showed, he showed up. He took beatings. He took criticism. And he learned from him. So I'm going to give him that. It's just like Georgia fans are gonna like make make it hard for me to give them much credit because like they're gonna let their ego get too high, but that's besides the point. Anyway, so that's well, that's the rankings going into the to the twenty twenty two football season with spring with spring football going on. There's gonna be a lot of questions that are gonna need to be answered. So we'll like we'll be those will be a lot of things that we'll be looking out for. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think hopefully my gators can prove some people wrong. There's a lot of good things coming out. Uh during uh, camp and everything. So I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a good year. I think college football, especially in the SEC, as usual, is going to be interesting. But I think this year my Gators might shock some people. Yeah. But all right, man, let's go ahead and wrap it up for tonight. Thank you again for listening to us for episode three, sticking with us and dealing with my terrible impressions and saltiness. Um, thank you again for listening to our opinions. We really appreciate everything. Please don't forget to like, comment, rate us five stars, whatever you got to do to feed those algorithm gods. Thank you again. Give us any feedback, and we will see you next time. Yeah, buddy.